Linux host Eddie Webb, and with me is my co-host Dixie Cochran. Hi. And uh, we are once again uh, flying without Matthew this week. Um, I think it's just kind of going to be a thing uh, uh, at this point. Uh, with after everything that happened with 2020, we're just kind of accepting the fact that we're not always going to have all three hosts on every episode, and that's okay. Yeah, we've gotten a little less dedicated to the like we have to have all three of us for the intro and outro. Mm-hmm. Like it's just uh, no, no, we don't. You don't need to hear Matthew pretend like he listened to an interview. Um, but today, uh, we actually did invite uh, a friend of ours onto the podcast. It's one of those people that was like, why did we never invite him on earlier? He's just kind of, oh yeah, we should, we should bring uh, this person on. So uh, uh, Joshua Deach, um, who's been writing for us for quite a while now, and has been a friend of mine for even longer, over a decade, I think, at this point. So uh, hey, Josh, how you doing? Hello, everyone. Um, and uh, like I said, you've done a, a ton of work. Um, but let's kind of, uh, like we do with all of our guests, kind of go back to the beginning. What got you into gaming? What got you into this industry, both tabletop and video game? Um, so my origin story goes back to first grade. I had a teacher who deemed I was a dreamer and wanted to cure me of this. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, I don't remember all of this. My parents yanked me out of the school eventually. But um, yeah, one day my mom saw me looking really sad. And she's like, Josh, what's wrong? And apparently I was like, I'm a terrible person. Oh, it, no. Yeah. Wow. This, this was an abusive teacher. Nothing that like cops would come and take her away in cuffs. But it was pretty It was pretty bad. And um, from I was outgoing and wanted to go to school in kindergarten. But uh-huh. first grade on... Uh, no, I was quiet. I didn't want to draw attention to myself and the jokes on that teacher, because that semi-isolation, uh, put me in my head a lot. And, uh, that kind of led to the writing, um, tabletop gaming came later and that kind of got me out of my shell. And, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of what led to my trajectory. Uh, I went to school for, uh, theater and, uh, writing Mm-hmm. Um, I got a master's degree. And then after that, I had my shiny master's degree and I was living with my parents working, um, at seven 11 graveyard shift. Oh, that is such a story that I hear from oh, so yeah. many creatives. It's yeah. so sad. Like mm-hmm. you go and you spend all this time and money <laughs> getting a master's in the thing you're so passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, now I work at Starbucks. Yep. <laughs> I, got this, you know, I got this immense student debt and, uh, I, I don't know what to do now. Um, but, right. uh, Luckily, I, I had gotten a few kind of credits on my, my my writing resume just just at the end of grad school. Um, I, I got an award for my um, for my uh, uh, fiction thesis, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had won a White Wolf novel contest mm-hmm. um, on in my last year of grad school, uh, and. I was working at 7-Eleven Graveyard Shift thinking there's there's got to be a better way. <laughs> and I'm like, video games. I play video games. They they can afford to pay full-time writers. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I went online. I, I found, I just made a bookmarked list of probably 100 companies mm-hmm. and just kind of ordered them based on who was looking, who had an open submission policy or, you know, maybe who just had a project that looked really cool. And I submitted dozens and dozens of resumes and writing samples, um, which is great because you tighten it up each time. So I think it was all kind of practice. Mm -hmm. And mostly I did not hear back. Um, Occasionally I would get a no. uh, But the great, I mean, rejection hurts, but the great thing about it is um, there's no penalty for it. A hundred rejections doesn't make it any less likely that you'll, you'll get uh, 
an acceptance and one acceptance mm-hmm. cancels out all those, all those uh, job rejections. So yep. uh, and it can be hard to get in when you don't have that first year, first ship title. Um, but you know, someone takes a chance on you and someone did at Funcom. So I uh, suddenly moved to Norway and I was working on um, the MMOs uh, age of Conan initially. Um, and then eventually the secret world, which was the original, um, it was the original game I had applied for at Funcom and I got it in as far as the writing test, but they hired someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I was a lead writer on the secret world. So it came, came kind of full circle, but, um, that's another good thing. If you're submitting stuff, even if you get a rejection, the submissions are great. Cause it's like planting little seeds. Cause you don't know who's going to come back later when another yeah. job opens up and, uh, likes your stuff. I mean, that even happens within like Onyx Paths. Like we'll get a submission and be like, uh, this might not be right for X line, but we could probably use them on Y, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. See, you were at Funcom in Norway? I was. I lived, That's uh... so much cooler than all of my friends who were at Funcom. <laughs> I used to live in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. I grew up there. Which is and where so, I'm at now. Yeah, yeah. But a ton of my friends worked at Funcom in that area. And it was like, not a good job at the time because it was not the writing staff people it was like the people right. that don't win assholes online service oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. My, so heart, my friends that worked there were miserable yeah my heart out to all the customer service and uh, community managers and video oh my god yeah, so much. yeah i had a bunch of friends that worked on age of conan like just doing doing that that part of it and most of them didn't work for very long and i think that's just the nature of like online customer service I'm not sure that it was fun and calm specifically. I think you've got to have a very specific personality to last for a long time in phone and online customer service. Yeah, you do. I just started watching the show Mythic Quest, which is about a company that makes an MMO, and they they had a scene with the um, with the community manager. They had kids touring, students touring the uh, the, the office, and they're like, and one of the little girls is like, "I want to do what you do," and the community manager is like, "No, no, <laughs> no." <laughs> I feel that. Feel that no, hard. you do not. Yeah, no, that's that's very cool. And yeah, I I I, I think it's cool that you're on Raleigh now because I'm like Josh probably has met some of my old friends who are still. I, yeah, I probably have. Yeah, I um yeah uh, I was I was in Norway for for 13 months. Uh, then I was in uh, Montreal for a couple of years, and then I left all of social medicine behind and came back here and um, <laughs> moved down because they had moved. Uh, uh, the, unfortunately, the, the Montreal office closed down and they moved the remainder of us down, down to the offices uh, down here in the Durham area. So you've been with Funcom for a decade now? I was, well, I was with them for about eight years mm-hmm. and then I went, um, a friend had um, uh, helped, uh, well, he'd gone with another friend to start a company in China called Nordic Trolls. Mm-hmm. And I went to work for them for a bit, but that kind of all fell through. And then I went freelance for a while. So I've, I've, uh, I'll occasionally get in touch with Funcom and do some freelance stuff for them. But uh, oh. I stopped working for them full time. I, I think in 2016. Okay. It's, it's all mm-hmm. a blur. Everything, everything before COVID is a blur. No, that's all I feel you. Except um, as America's like, I think I got into CCP about roughly the same time you got into Funcom. So like our, our careers were kind of parallel for a while. Um, and I remember uh, when we were working on the World Darkness MMO, um, uh, one of my managers, we're, we're looking at other video games, obviously, like, you know, what's, what does this game do? Uh, what does it game do? And then Secret Worlds came up as a very natural, here's a potential competitor in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is cool and really awkward. <laughs> the writer on that. <laughs> now they must fight. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, we've talked about this in the podcast before. This industry is so small um, that yes. 
this perception that like, you know, we're, we're, we're in conflict and we never speak to each other and blah, 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 you know, super alpha being competitive. It just doesn't really exist, at least at the trenches that we work at. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure somewhere it's out there, but man, yeah, you don't, it's, that's not a, that's not a, a, a path you want to go down. You'll be miserable if you start looking at, at your, your right. creators as, 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 as a competition, which it's really not. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of the times we, we like, we'll, we'll uh, run panels at conventions and like, you know, Hey, there's a cool thing I've learned in working on this game, or we'll have like drinks, whatever, and talk about, Hey, you know, what about this versus that? Um, I find there's much more of a sense of collaboration in that mm-hmm. sphere than in competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we, we feed each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dark secrets. Also, there's only so much you can do with like dark urban fantasy. Like right. every every dark urban fantasy is kind of like every other dark urban fantasy on some level. Right, right. Now there's I mean there's there's huge differences between some and subtle ones between others, but like once once you have that like very specific setting, it is difficult to make it completely different from somebody else's. I'm not saying that you can't like make interesting and big choices, but dark urban fantasy is dark urban fantasy. You're probably right. in a city, it's probably dark. There's fantasy elements. Okay. Yeah, other other games existing in your genre actually just helps you pitch the new game because you're like, well, it's a little like this plus mm-hmm. this plus this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it really that's a lot of game pitching I found is you describe it, but then usually it's it's like this plus this, but with this, you know, and that's usually the pitch. D and D with dogs. D and D with dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, tell us about the uh, White Wolf novel contest. I was okay, like so, glossed over that, and I feel like oh, a lot did, of our listeners would be super interested in yeah. what that was, how it happened, what you won with, etc. So, I'd been a long time White Wolf fan since like 1996, I think. I uh, I think my initial White Wolf product was the uh, Rage card game. Um, oh wow! Uh, the werewolf, a werewolf that is card such game. An interesting entry. <laughs> I know it's not the one I'd expect, but I didn't. I, didn't, I at the time I didn't know what white wolf was. And like I, I just found assumed the card you were game. like me, and you played like spooky vampires, and you were exactly. Well, I, I eventually found that because I bought the card game um, as a gift to my brother for Christmas. I got him. I got a mm-hmm. double pack so that we each have one to play against each other. And then I'm like, oh no, wait, this is a role playing game. Oh no, wait, there's a vampire one. <laughs> and, uh, and then. Uh, uh, I think when I, I think I was 16, all, all the, I worked at the movie theater and the cool counterculture kids played this game called vampire and they would talk mm-hmm. about it. And I was just like, I want to impress this, this, this goth person I like at work. So I'm going to go buy, I'm going to go buy vampire. And well, I mean, I like vampires <laughs> anyway. And uh, yeah, I opened up the second edition book and uh, the rest is history. But uh, did you slowly slide into being a goth from there? Because I know that's, that's kind of what happened it, to me. Yeah. I mean, throughout my life, I'm, I think I'm starting to dress like the teenager I wanted to be. Um, I, I saw a TikTok the other day that said the best thing about people over 30 right now is that all of us have just given up on fashion and we're yes. all dressing like the weird teens we yes. want to be. Yep. And yes. I'm like, yes, that is me. I did just buy some Jenkos because they came back. Shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's totally happened to me because I was I was internally very gothy. I like I I got yeah. Edgar Allan Poe as a little kid. And, Same, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I love drag all that stuff. I lo- I had an interest for that. And other than maybe wearing black t shirts, I didn't really look it. It's pretty straight laced. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I've I've slowly slid into that. And certainly, vampire was I think vampire filled a niche for me that maybe like uh, underground music and zines fit. fit for other people and it was yeah it it, it, i mean i I was a big fan for years and years and then in uh i don't even remember the year but sometime before 2006 because that's when i think i turned in the final product uh uh, for the 
or not or, or the first draft of the novel mm. um it, it was uh i saw the ad for it in the back of a vampire the requiem novel um i think uh, hunger like fire in the back of it had mm-hmm. uh the uh you know white wolves holding a novel contest submit a um i think it was like a 100 word pitch and or maybe a 200 word small pitch uh-huh. right and i'd um i made my pitch i sent it in and the next round is they picked 100 out of out of that and uh write the uh i think you got like 50 dollars and write the first chapter um, okay. so i wrote that submitted that and then sometime later because because you know it takes a while to go through maybe not quite a hundred if not everyone turned one in, but, but a lot of first chapters. Right. And then they picked five of us and they, uh, uh, um, and then we got another, uh, uh, money prize and, and, um, write the, write the, um, first draft. And then eventually we all submitted that and, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I got picked out of that, uh, for my novel strangeness in the proportion. Um, I think, I think I turned it in 2006. I don't remember when that was in, I don't remember when that was announced, but um, then I got assigned a uh, editor, um, and this was actually a thing that my writer friends were more jealous of than 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 winning a contest or getting published was that I had access to this editor for uh, it was kind of a slow <laughs> process for years. Uh, uh, James Lauder, who, who's mm-hmm. an awesome guy, excellent editor, great, mm-hmm. and uh, he he's a good editor in that he's not just fixing the thing to be how he would do it. He he helps you kind of find what you were trying to go for and i i had access to him for years you know as a, as a starting writer and i, I uh, still still do stuff with him today and uh yeah that's that's what led to my uh, first novel my only novel currently which is now freaking me out i need to get i need to get back at that mm-hmm. i mean you have done some novellas this is true and some fiction I've done uh, short stories and novellas um We've got your deviant one on the way. I, yes, I, I proofed yes. it a couple of days ago. Sweet. Or I guess about a, a week or two ago. Um, and we're picking out some cool cover art from the deviant course. That's going to be dearly bleak. Dearly bleak. Who? Um, that was actually a D and D character I was playing for a while. I mean, that is actually a character's name in the book. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bleak, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, 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 it was a concept I play. I, I mean, updated for for the novella, of course. But um, I played a little kid who was uh, in a D and D game who was um, uh, uh, giving creepy me, as fuck. Well, well, he was he was infected with uh, one of the um, the mind the mind flares, the illithid. He was infected right. with one of those oh, arms, right, okay. and it didn't quite take. So he wasn't really taken over. But I, I just made him a a, a warlock, uh, and and his his patron was this worm that lived in me. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I took that that very basic concept and, and and scrubbed it a bit and turned it into the into the novella for uh, for Deviant, which uh, yeah, I'm excited for. So to go back to your White Wolf novel, just because this is a story that kind of I have a, a side to this, which is weird um, that nobody so would have expected. Well, mine is that uh, first of all, the book is amazing. You should check it out. It was published yes. in 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I used to do the World Builders charity that Patrick Rothfuss uh, ran. Oh, cool. Um, I, I, I used to always submit a bunch of money to it and get the random prizes and get little raffle tickets and stuff like that. And uh, in, in 2011, my prize was a copy of Strangers, Strangeness in, in the Proportion by Joshua Allen Beach <gasps> oh, wow. uh, signed with a toe tag in it. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, this thing. was four <laughs> years before I had my first editing assignment with Rose Bailey. So I had I oh, I wow. didn't realize it was a Chronicles of Darkness novel until I got like got to the back page. It's just a really good novel. 
like mm-hmm. a really good horror novel. Um, yeah. And then, I wanted I wanted to make it so that people who didn't know the setting could still could still get into it, and then yeah, you know, it'd be led to right. the setting. Yeah. So yeah, so like then when I finally met Josh at a convention in like 2019, I was like, hey, I've kind of known about you for eight years. Yeah, that <laughs> was that weird. was cool. I was like, oh really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like I she knows who I am. It was just funny because like of of all the random books they could have sent me because like they get thousands of right. Books. Yeah, yeah, and I just sent and them they, a few. Yeah, yeah, and they and they sent me one from someone I would eventually be like working very closely with. I thought it was a weird little coincidence. With with the bookmark, as you mentioned, because uh, yeah, yeah, the the, the novel's about a a, a a forensic pathologist, and mm-hmm. um, eventually I was online and I found you could just buy toe tags. There's there's no one to stop you. you can just <laughs> order toe tags. You can just do what you want. Yes, I love that. And they're indestructible bookmarks. So, uh, yeah, I, I, when I send books to people, I, I tend to put a toe tag in it. That's great. And that's actually um, also how you and I met because um, you had mentioned uh, uh, Jim Louder. Uh, and I think it was around 2009-ish. Um, I had come on to CCP and basically uh rich thomas was like so um we bought these novels a while ago and we've done nothing with them for like a year and a half we, we should publish them i was like okay cool great i think it's a great idea and uh a lot of people know is that there, actually there are two novels that came out from that contest the other mm-hmm. one is the silent knife yes uh and the, it, it's long enough now i think i can tell the reason behind it the reason behind it was that the silent knife is a much more I don't want to say traditional Requiem novel, but it explicitly features vampires and it's very, you know, it's about the, the politics between different uh, covenants and whatnot. Um, and so uh, I remember telling me, it's like um, some of the people at the higher ups, like when they wanted to publish The Silent Knife as the winner and Rich was like, but this novel's really good. Strangers in the Portion is just really good. And it's like, well, it doesn't really tell anything about the world of darkness. And it's like, but it's really good. It's also and part po- of why it's really good, I think, is because you can you can trick non-fans. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that was how was Rich's argument was that um, it is a low barrier to entry. You know, th- there's not a lot of terminology. So people are like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, there's more, which is exactly what a tie-in novel should be, if that's what you're shooting for, right? It shouldn't be, you know, there are 50 other books and you have to read them all to understand what this is. Um, and so it's like, you know, so we're going to hire, uh, uh, Jim to edit those and it's a cool, great. And that's actually the first time I met Jim Louder too. Uh, because it was like, Jim doesn't know at that time, new world darkness stuff. So they would need someone to go through it and just be, oh, actually, you know, this, this covenant should be that. And, you know, here's a reference here. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool, great. And I remember there's a lot of that for the silent knife. Um, not that the writing was bad or anything it was just they were trying something new and i had, I had to hammer it back into shape because they were referencing other concepts and i had to kind of get them to all line up a little more um but because strangeness was its own distinct thing it was really just there's this little metaphysical thing that we need to tweak because it's ref- it's explicitly saying a metaphysical thing is real when it's we know it's not kind of stuff and it's very very minor it was light touch i didn't have much to do frankly um uh, but that got me talking with with Jim, and it got me talking indirectly with, with Josh, um, and and it was, all of us were like, "This guy's really good. We need to, we need to give him more work." Um, and then things changed. But I remember uh, we met at conventions, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, this was also a cool guy." And we also we were at that time both working on comparable video games, um, right. so it was just kind of that weird like 
it's rare that um, someone's writing comes across your desk cold like that and you just immediately go, holy shit. Uh, 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 so, I mean, that was definitely something that's always stuck in my head. That moment was, was one of my very fond memories of that very tumultuous time at CCP. It was yeah. working on Strangeous. Just as a, as, a, as a slight aside, that's part of why I like James Huggins' uh, Exalted novella so much. Is because you really don't need to know Exalted to read it. Oh, it's good. a very good book. Um, and all the concepts that you really need explained are explained in there, but not in a like hand-holdy way. Like, mm. they're explained w- within the narrative. And that, that's that's also why I like Strangeness so much. It's because, like, it, 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 it doesn't sit you down and go, like, you know, here's what this is. This is a thing. It just introduces you organically to any concepts that you need. And, and that actually kind of leads me to a question I have for, for you, Josh, is... Um, uh, because Strange is such a strong tone and there's a lot of your writing voice in that, um, have you found that that has pigeonholed you a little bit? Like, you know, you're the guy, if you want creepy in a project, you're the guy to go talk to, or do you enjoy being in that space? Um, both. Cause I, I've, I've luckily had opportunities to, to, you know, go into genres that maybe i hadn't done before and i and i think sometimes you get your best work from people when you go like hey do this you're mm-hmm. a scary guy do this cute thing um right and i i'm okay being in that space um because even with strangers in the proportion it's twisted spooky but like it's got like this weirdly adorable heart and that's 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 kind of mm-hmm. my, my yeah it's, it's a romance really zone. yeah um and uh no yeah i don't mind it um it's I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's become my uh, online persona slash brand, uh, to, to, to do the, to do the spooky things, but I've had an opportunity to do other stuff. I mean, and, and I've gotten to do like, like, like Pugmire and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, and even, well, Conan has some spooky stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, right. that was kind of my in at the interview for that. They're like, so have you read much Robert E. Howard? And I'm like, well, I, I haven't read a ton, but I will, I I'm good at, quickly digesting a setting and, and getting into it. And I, uh-huh. and sword and sorcery, I did know just, just kind of from the periphery. And then the guy who eventually hired me is like, Oh, do you know that it's, it's technically it's in, it's in the, uh, like Cthulhu mythos and it's on mm-hmm. kind of weird corner. I'm like, Oh really? So that mm-hmm. was kind of my, my entry into there. But, um, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely kind of the, the person on the team. Usually like, well, uh, we need something spooky. And that's actually, um, why I wanted to reach out for you for initially, um, it was uh, Tales of Good Dogs, is that um, that was the first anthology for Pugmire. And one of the things I want to do, because that was came out of the first Kickstarter, so I was still trying to make sure that the the depth of tone for Pugmire's were clear. And I knew that you could find that right balance of, of not quite sword and sorcery, but certainly fantasy adventure, but also bring a, a, a spookiness to it. Uh, because I knew that Pugmire needed to at least have some elements of just weird. Joshua's story made me cry. It is. It's sad. It's deeply weird. It's so good. (laughs) Aw, thank you. Like, it is so, like, I, just, just, just to compliment Joshua on behalf of me, we can make him very uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) Go on. It is so difficult to write a 5,000 word story that makes you care very deeply about the main character. Mm -hmm. Because usually, if you care that deeply about a main character, I feel like you've gone on more of a journey with them. 
Yep. And the fact that you could do that in 5,000 words, where by the end I was like tearing up, like, no, I love this, this is so good. Um, like, you have such a good dog. Uh, that was <laughs> that was weird. Like, I, I didn't expect it. And that's that's great. Like, that's, that's so cool that you can do that. Like, all the stories in, in that collection are excellent. But that one did like make me tear up a little bit. And I was like, oh, my God. That, that might be partially the, the video game training in that you got to tell stories yeah, often probably. in yeah. small spans of time. So you find ways to to um not trick but but ways um i guess ways where you're, you're getting the the audience to tell part of the story with their own imagination so they, right. mm-hmm. they become impl- uh they, they become part of the storytelling and you can use less wordage mm-hmm. and that was definitely why i wanted you on board for squeaks and deep um which is on kickstarter right now yes hey, there's the time um but because I knew for Squeaks and Deep, that was going to be kind of my uh, dungeon delving, underdark homage. And I didn't want it to be just 10 foot stone quarters. I, again, I, I thought this was the time to really dig more into that 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 weirdness, that that um, depth of, of oddity. And um, uh, as, a, as a point of example... Um, during virtual horror con, uh, I was like, I run squeaks in the deep. And at first it was like kind of a hard sell. They're like, Pugmire? I was like, trust me, it's, it's not horrific, but it's creepy. Um, and I ran one of your encounters that you wrote for squeaks in the deep with the, um, uh, the, the baby peed. Oh yeah. 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 The, the collection of plastic baby heads as a sentient creature. Terrifying. <laughs> yes you. one of the players who played through all of virtual horror con was like that was the creepiest encounter of the entire comanche <laughs> <laughs> because you're sitting there like as a mouse character because I, I i was also in that game mm-hmm. um and you're like sitting there as a mouse character and part of you's just like oh look all this plastic like maybe we could buy a house like that's cool because like that's kind of the, the mouse thing right mm-hmm. you don't really care about material wealth but like it'd be cool if you could maybe like move up in the world a little bit and then that plastic turns into a giant centipede of baby heads that are all talking and attacks you that's creepy that was that was a fun one to write uh i i didn't invent the creature but uh but i did uh i did fill in the the, the location and the the piles of baby heads and mm-hmm. oh. <laughs> So um, I'm curious, we've never talked explicitly about this, because honestly, I've just, I've just been like, here, Josh, here's 10,000 words, just go, and I just trust you to do it. But um, what has it been like to work in, in a ostensibly, lack of a term, cuter world like Pugmire, as opposed to something that's grittier like Secret World or Conan or World Darkness? Um, it's refreshing. I think, I think anytime I hear someone talking about working on Pugmire, whether it's, uh, Matthew talking about, uh, Pirates of Pugmire or anyone else, it's like, they're just like, it was just really fun to work on this. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe partially cause it's a palate cleanser, partially it's just a really charming universe and it just, um, yeah, when you're not relying on the setting itself just to be bleeding, uh, you know, gothy tragedy, <laughs> um, right. uh, you, you flex different muscles and, and, and a lot of my background with horror going back to a kid and a lot of it was uh funny or even cutesy uh you know gaudy halloween decorations like i have good wholesome halloween memories of of spooky you know in in parentheses or in in quotations uh kind of things so going to get to do that in pugmire um and i think you've described it as like 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 going to a haunted house attraction kind of spooky Mm -hmm. um, right was a lot of fun because it's fun because you can kind of um you can kind of surprise the audience with like, they're like, okay, I'm in this cute setting. And then suddenly you get them with something that's genuinely creepy. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh yeah yeah i think i think um when i was when i was writing that i i kind of found like i figured out the 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 level of creepiness to weirdness to cuteness um uh when i wrote there's a there's a um there's a room you go into and this there's a there's a mad scientist rat who's cackling that he's like he's, he's overcome the the uh, uh limitations of bones and he's going to destroy you he is now a god and he flops to the floor because he's just this puddle of skin um and oh, god. Like, okay that's that's you know so it's 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 a it's a it's a horrific yet humorous encounter and i think that right. was like okay that's that's the tone i want yes i've transcended skeletal yes this, this oceus cage <laughs> i will destroy you all and <laughs> That is actually a joke we make about my cat Lydia all the time. Is that she has no bones? She's a really floppy cat. Like she's just, she's just kind of floppy all over the place. And uh, my my boyfriend will 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 tease me and be like, Dixie, I asked you to get us a cat with bones and fur. <laughs> I ordered this cat with bones, and you got us a boneless cat. Because <laughs> yeah, she just like she's she's graceful when she walks around but as soon as she sits down she's just like flop and you pick her up and she's just kind of like flop like she's a little bag like a, like a, like i don't know she's she's very strange so picturing that is how i actually picture lydia sometimes which is <laughs> it's true it's true um and uh so we touched a little bit on your your chronicle darkness requiem work um but that led you into perhaps slightly backwards into vampire the masquerade um you've mm-hmm. done work on uh, Beckett's Jihad Diary for Chicago. You worked on the Chicago Folios. You worked on Lord of the Clans, um, 122. Um, there's, uh, it's one thing to work on a property like Conan or um, even Secret Worlds over time where it's like, it, it's someone else's IP and there's a depth of knowledge and you have to kind of get up to speed on that and, and try to be respectful of that. It's another thing to work on something you have yourself have loved for a long time. What has it been like working on Vampire the Masquerade coming from being a Vampire the Masquerade fan? Uh, uh- well, if anything I've worked on, that's the one that's like hit my my inner child fan the mm-hmm. most. Like, oh my god, right. oh my god, oh my god. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I originally uh, my game writing. Well, no, I think. Oh no, Hunter's Hunter Two was my first bit of game writing for uh, for Onyx. Um, yeah, because I, I hired you to do the um, some bit for uh, Chapter Six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, um, uh, for the the Inquisition, you wanted you wanted um, some some you know priestly characters that were uh, zealots, but like relatable. And I'm like, I, I can do that. Right. I'm, yes, that was. I'm a recovering <laughs> Catholic altar boy. I, I can uh, <laughs> I can do this. I can make this. <laughs> I can make this character sympathetic and uh, but still uh, still make them scary vampire hunters. Um, but yeah, and then I went on. I think I did some requiem stuff, and that was fun. In that, uh, well, I mean, my novel was, was ostensibly kind of mm-hmm. in requiem, but um, and and that's exciting. In that, okay, there's this new territory, and I can you know put stuff into it. But but what uh, you know, doing the vampire, the masquerade stuff was just like my my inner sixteen year old going, oh my gosh, uh, I need. I mean, to... same though. Like I remember when I, when I first edited some some masquerade stuff, that was very cool. But then like. I have done a tiny bit of writing on one Vampire the Masquerade project, but I'm like, I can die happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I I got to write some vampires for Vampire. And, like, writing vampire SPCs is always super interesting because you're pretty much just creating characters and giving them a backstory, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was super fun. And the fact that I have, like, if I never write for Vampire again, that's okay. I, I have done it. I am published. You can, you know, read my vampires and children of the blood. Somebody left a review that said that one of mine that I wrote was their favorite in the whole book. And one of them was the worst. 
Um, so I feel like I hit the, the gamut of what you could possibly write for Vampire, which is, you know, terrible and amazing in the same review. Yep. Uh, so yeah, like I, I, I totally get you. Cause like I started playing Vampire in 99 when I was 14 yeah. and getting to write for it, like get, getting to work on it at all was cool, but getting to write for it was like a special treat. And it was, uh, yeah. And it's exciting to pull from knowledge that you've built in your head, uh, you know, over decades, uh, as a fan and being like, I'm, I'm making, I'm making professional use of this. Uh, I remember when I first got my, my Funcom gig, my dad came into my room and he's like, well. I guess I can't complain to you for wasting time on games. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> he never discouraged it, but like, he'd be like, you guys have spent a lot of time with those games. And now, now he's like, I'm glad you spent a lot of time with those games. Um, but yeah, yeah. Working for vampire, you know, I get to pull knowledge. It's been deeply in my head for years. And uh, one project I worked on was um, the, uh, the sort of um, guerrilla marketing uh, for the announcement for, um, uh, uh vampire bloodlines 2 oh yeah you were on the 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 tender thing yeah yeah we did oh, the tender right. which was uh uh an uh, uh, evil dating app really controlled by vampires which was a lot of fun to write for but what was, what was really fun on that team was usually when i'm working on something with vampire it's on a, it's with a team of people who all know the setting we all have our you know the bits of lore we know and it's fun it's fun working with people of the same interests as you and everything but working with this marketing team who some of them made just aware of vampire my my deep-seated geeky knowledge of it seemed like a superpower to them like they'd be like well we need this asmr video where this person's talking and and i gave them a version of the malkavian uh, blind bats uh, uh, mythology and and they were like how do you know i was just able to pull that out and they're like how do you know this stuff and i'm like just just it's 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 lodged in your head from you know yes. so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> also, also thing. because we can hear them in the background, I have to ask, what is your cat's name? Oh, um, I have a cat named uh, I have a black cat named Lygia, who is very that talkative. makes sense. That that is on brand for you. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I, wa- I was I, I was going for some Poe character name, and I was I was thinking maybe Lygia, and then when I adopted her, her name at the uh, uh, um, at the shelter was Gia, and I'm like, well. All I have to do is add a syllable. And then I found out, because I hadn't seen it up until then, the um, the Vincent Price, Roger Corman film, The Tomb of Lygia, features a black cat, even though the short oh. story does not. And I'm like, wow, that's settled. Okay, that is wonderful. Also, as a fellow spooky kid, my cats are Wednesday and Lydia, so I understand nice. naming your cats after spooky things. We, we've since adopted a tabby cat. We've named Hermes, though. If we had adopted both of them at the same time, we probably would have gone with Wednesday and Pugsley because they they... they they treat each other much, much, uh, their, their personalities definitely fit that, but, um, <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a rambunctious, uh, scoundrel. And, um, even though he's like kind of the cute, adorable one, he is the, he is the more, um, vicious hunter. Uh, he really, yeah. We, so we're kind of in a wooded area. We don't have like a, 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 a roach infestation or anything, but we get a regular supply of individuals that will wander in and he kills every single one. Uh, we, the first time I found a mouse a few weeks ago in this house, he had caught it and stunned it. So we were able to get it away. And then he's two birds have wandered in the house somehow and he's gotten them. So he's, uh, he's become, it's so weird. Cause he's, he's of the two of them. He has the more adorable personality, but um, when it, when it comes to killing, Oh my gosh. Yeah. When it comes to my cats, <laughs> Wednesday seems like little Hunter. Like she's the very destructive one in that she's the one that like claws furniture and wants to play with like a string that she attacks all the time and everything. But when it comes to actually hunting, it's Lydia who is the vicious one. Like I have seen her like see a bug on the wall 
and just stare at it for a few minutes. Like, she has big paws. Like, she's a skinny <laughs> cat, but she's, like, gangly a little. Mm. She is, too. So, I, I like, I, I don't think she's going to grow anymore. But she just, like, sits in the back of the couch and just, like, stares at the bug for a few seconds. And then just, bam! And then it's gone. And I'm like, all right. I'll just keep you around. Like, I'm pretty sure we have some kind of mice in the walls or something here. It's, it's, it's a big apartment complex. You can't really avoid mice. Um, right. Because I, I have found her for the past several nights sitting in the kitchen in the dark, staring at the wall. <laughs> and she does that for hours. She's and watching like, the unseen I'm, demons. Yeah, I mean, yes. But also, I think she can hear something that I can't with my stupid mm. human ears. You know? <laughs> stupid uh, human ears. Because, yeah, she's just, like, staring at the wall. And then I come in there, and she's like, oh, I'll flop down and get pets. But then as soon as I leave, she's like, I will resume my vigil. <laughs> I must stare at this wall. And I'm like, there's got to be something in the wall. I don't know what it is. But there's 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 something in the wall, and and Lydia can hear it, and Wednesday doesn't give a shit. Clearly, some some mouse has been uh, bricked up in the wall. Yeah, yeah, we have a, like cask of Montiato situation happening. Right. Here. <laughs> ghost uh, of a cat or ghost of a mouse. So yeah, sorry, I I had to do a cat tangent because one of your cats was making themselves known. It's, uh, cat tangents are fine. They they got us through lockdown. It's true. true. It's true. true. Oh, actually, speaking of, of Poe. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, uh, but I have context for everybody else. Um, uh, I have known for since day one uh, uh, how much of a fan you are of Eric Allan Poe. Um, and of course, I am a huge Sherlock Holmes fan, surprising absolutely no one. Um, so recently, I found a book called Under a Raven's Wing by Stephen Volk, which um, is about uh, uh, Dupin, August Dupin, um, uh, Poe's detective character mentoring mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes in Paris when he was young. And I posted online and he's like, Josh, 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 you have to read this. <laughs> yep. um, so you have read it now, right? Uh, I'm still, I'm still reading through it. I decided okay. to do some, some work reading, but uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it? it's such a good combination of the two things. And then because um, uh, uh, Holmes mentions Poe's detective, I think in the study in Scarlet, he does, yeah, mm-hmm. and it was very dismissive. Of yeah, the, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is ridiculous because because Poe's Poe's detective it, it goes way, gets way more ridiculous than than Holmes. Were like, I think in the first story, um, he just suddenly mentioned him and his friend are walking in silence for fifteen minutes, and he mentions something, and his friend's like, "How did you know I was thinking that?" And he backtracks all the things they'd seen and uh, w- what would lead to this guy thinking that thought at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. So so Holmes mentions it, and um, and I was wondering like, well, how are they going to get around that? Because because in because in Holmes universe, that's a fictional character. But the way that they do, which I won't say, right? Is, it's is a big great. spoiler. Yeah, but... I have suspected a few pages before, and I'm like, and then it happened. I'm like, oh, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I was I was hooked. I'm not sure either of you or the listeners know this, but like, I am also a big Poe fan. My oh, really? dad you should, you should got me into Poe and Sherlock Holmes. He took me to the Edgar Allan Poe Museum when I was like 11 or 12. Awesome. Um, I have been to the last bar Poe visited here in Baltimore. Well, 30 minutes north of Baltimore, but you know what I mean. I, I need to there. go there. Um, and also, I did an entire semester in college at Edgar Allan Poe because oh, one, really? of my, one of my final English classes, they gave you a list of famous authors and you had to pick one. And I was like, well, I've read all of his works, so I might as well do the one I have prior knowledge of. Um, so I picked Edgar Allan Poe and uh, wrote my final on his humor because oh. I think How to Write a Blackwood article is fucking hilarious. He's, and he's I wish more people 
read his like reviews and and and, and humor and stuff because yes he's known for horror he's a master of horror um really really amazing at it but also like he was funny yeah and yeah. he was also mean sometimes yeah he had some it's, spicy takes yeah, yeah like yeah. i i think everybody should read his criticism because it's like it's 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 a really uh kind of elevated version of like spicy takes on twitter you know mm-hmm. um but yeah no i am i'm am also a huge fan so whatever this book is y'all are talking about please uh send oh, yeah, it my yeah. way sometime no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's under a Raven's Wing. I'll send you a link. It's under Raven's Wing by Stephen Volk. It came out like literally four months ago. It's okay. brand new. Cool, cool. I will um, get it because that, that sounds like right up my alley. Yeah. It, it, and, and the one thing I, I loved about the book, I won't, I'm definitely avoiding spoilers for everybody's problems now, but um, <laughs> it's written, it, 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 it very clearly has the Sherlock Holmes style of solving mysteries. I mean, it's ultimately each case is a mystery, but it also leavens in. Both the, the the horror writing style of Poe and also some of his humor is actually pretty prevalent through it. So Yay! each story, you're like, okay, when is it going to break towards Doyle and when is it going to break towards Poe? Right. Uh, and it's constantly shifting between those two tones. And it does it in a way that it seems very fluid and very seamless. It, 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 it's not jarring at all. It, yeah, it, it, it shows how close these two styles really are at the core. That's really cool for one author to be able to do that because the 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 only book I've read that that I was really excited about doing that exact thing was Good Omens, mm-hmm. where you can definitely tell where it steers towards Pratchett and then where it steers towards Gaiman. Yeah, and you're like, I know who wrote this part, you know? Right. Um, and I feel like doing that with two actual classic authors who are both dead is is fascinating. Another one, if you like that style, um, it's, we're getting off track a little bit, but um, that's okay. Uh, Kim Newman, uh, who's more famously known for Anno Dracula. Which I have read. Also did um, uh, a book called Hound of the D'Urbervilles, uh, which is a Moriarty book. Where he oh. t- it tells it's, – it's, it's, it's satire about mm. all the Sherlock Holmes cases from Moriarty's perspective and just how dumb Sherlock Holmes is. Because it's just Moriarty going, oh my god, you're such an idiot. But because it's Kim Newman – he just crams in like so many different references. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the stories are written as opposed to from a Watsonian perspective, they're actually written from uh, Colonel Moran's perspective, who's this game hunting, you know, jerk who sleeps around. And so he's just a complete asshole. Right. And talking about how amazing Moriarty is, and Moriarty's an asshole to him. But also they're cramming in um, stuff like from um, uh, uh, Zane novels and from you know how you know uh Tesla D'Urbervilles and uh just so many Easter egg references and there's a little bit of, of, of even like a uh, uh, Poe and Dickens in there too um and it, cool. it's just funny as hell because it the, the, the stories all hang together and they all make sense but it's also stuff like um why are there three James Moriarty's in the canon because how because of the continuity of it they're actually Professor Moriarty, and then he has two brothers, and all of them are named James. And it, and it gives an entire explanation for why. It's, it's a ludicrous explanation, but it makes kind of sense. Um, I mean, all right. I mean, the, the explanation, it's not really a spoiler. The explanation is that uh, um, the father of the Moriarty's would name the ch- first child James, and then he was disappointed. So they, he just basically immediately forgot that son existed and named the next child James, hoping that one would turn out better. <laughs> oh. Moriarty Mark II. Right. I actually know some real life people like that. Really? Uh, yeah. So funny story. Uh, this, is a, this is a total tangent and I'm okay with that because whatever is our podcast. Right. Um, one, of, one of my exes, his family, uh, his, his older brother was the fifth of, of his name. Right. Mm-hmm. And his father was the third. 
And it was, or no, it's not it. I think. I don't know. The point is that at some point, someone didn't like one of the kids and they skipped a number. And, <laughs> and, or, or like gave someone the like same number as a different kids. They're like two XXX the thirds. Um, and so the, the, the dad in a moment of rebellion skipped four and named his kid the fifth because technically he was, but there is no fourth. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it was it was totally like a like a situation where they like disowned somebody, but my ex's dad was like, "This is bullshit." Like I'm just gonna, like he's technically the fourth. It's fine, even and if he took the name away. And like 50 years from now, someone's going to be tracing that family tree and just going out of their mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're like two <laughs> two thirds and no fourth. And it's like, wait, right. what happened here? Uh, yeah, so that is that is fun. Also, if you ever wanted to know what a fifth child goes by, he goes by Quint. Nice. Because that's, that's clever. All of the, all the nicknames were taken. That's true. It's true. Um, so something that's not quite a digression, it's on topic nominally, but also kind of out of left field. Um, I want to dig into the keybard meme. Oh, oh yeah. I love the keybard. <laughs> Tell people the story of the keybard meme. So I uh someone I think on Twitter, one of the social one of the social media options uh, uh, po- post made a post like um, something about they had tried to type something about keyboard and they, they misspelled it in keyboard and they're like, that's it. I'm the keyboard. And I saw that and I, I, ha- I, um, I took a quick picture. I was wearing this, this sort of wizardly looking uh, um, hooded thing. So I put the hood up and, and uh, I picked up my, um, my light up mechanical keyboard and held it like a lute and took a dramatic picture and posted it as a response to that. And then it, 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 it turned into a meme and has been getting passed around. I'm like, holy crap, keybard. Uh, and I yeah, love people, it. people are like, is this you? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I'm the keybard. I have a couple of friends who are memes and it always like delights me every two years when they make the rounds again. Yeah. That like seems like the like life cycle of a meme is like it'll pop up. And then you won't like everyone shares it for like three days. Yep. And then you won't see it for like, you know, six months to a year and a half or so. And then everyone shares it again. And you're like, hey, I know that person. That's cool. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'll post it and say the the keyboard has given you inspiration. One G ten versus uh, your imposter syndrome. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's rare that like a meme like that pops up and like gets never been like malicious or anything. It's just, people just love it. And it's just like, it's a great picture. It's so funny. Yeah, no, it is. J- Josh has the perfect face for, for the, for the keyboard meme. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's, it's the powerful eyebrows. It, it is. It is powerful eyebrows. As, as somebody who's always been kind of thought of as vaguely cartoonish, cause I make big faces all the time. I, mm-hmm. I, I totally understand you. Yeah. And I cannot, it's... I cannot take a picture without, without making a ridiculous face. Yeah, yeah. Every time that I try to take like a nice picture, I'm like, I don't like this, and then I just end up making a terrible face. And I'm like, well, now it's funny, so <laughs> that's that's better. There you go. Um. So, uh, uh what else uh, have you been up to? Anything you want to kind of promote or talk about? Um. Let's see. Uh. Well, I've, I've worked on um, they uh, they came from beyond the grave, which was a ton of yes. fun. Perhaps everything that I've ingested has led me uh, creatively <laughs> taken in or experienced led to led to that. Same. Mm-hmm. I like, don't know if you're at all like me, but I, I find that about one glass of wine 
is the right mindset mm-hmm, to write mm-hmm. on beyond the grave. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that, that sounds about right. Cause yeah. Cause it loosens up all the things that, that I've watched, read, um, taken in, uh, uh, and, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Playing and writing for these, uh, fictional, uh, uh movies, uh, in the seventies for horror, uh, just, just hit all, all the fun spots. Yeah. Did you do one of the adventures in the core book? I I, I forgot what I exactly did. people wrote. Speaking of Edgar Allan Poe, um, oh right, 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 yeah, right. yeah, I wrote an adventure. I, I'm blanking on the title now. I think it was the 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 math. Uh, Isn't it based on the Mask of the Red Death? It is, but it's like it's the it's the oh it's I think it's like the Mask of the Hideous Heart. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it takes a little bit of the Mask of the Red Death. It takes a, a bit of the Telltale Heart, and it then adds as many Poe. Uh, uh, um, references I could, as I could cram in there and there's a lot of them. Nice. Um, uh, some, some overt, some of them pretty obscure. Uh, and it's all based around, it's, it's kind of based around the idea of if the tell, if the guy in the telltale heart wasn't crazy, like the old man really had an evil eye and an evil heart. And these organs are crawling around working evil, evil. <laughs> oh no, he was a reliable narrator the whole time. Yes. Yes. Shit. Uh, have you written any, any, anything else for grave? Um, I, oh wait. Yeah, I did. Um, I thought you did. I wrote, there are so many grave books coming out. Yeah. 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 They're all really good. I've written too many things now because now I'm like, uh, I wrote, yeah, I wrote, um, I think I wrote some monster. I think there's a monster collection or something. Yes. Monsters. Yeah. Monsters from the crypt. Yes. How, how was that considering the like breadth of monsters that we covered at the core? Was it was it hard to find some like kind of extra monsters to throw in there, or was it just more fun because you got to be a little weirder? I think for that one, I actually wrote. I think I wrote the section about about making monsters oh, okay. more than I wrote, oh. but I did. But I did include a sample in there, and it's it's kind of the idea of um, it kind of mixed uh, uh, Children of the Corn with uh, uh, Field of Dreams, and it's this uh, it's this cornfield whispering these kids playing baseball, and it causes them to do become like it's cultists and do do horrible things field field of screams i think is what i called it. oh my mm. god i love it i love it i love it so much that's amazing yeah i was just curious because i know that we covered like pretty much all the basic hammer horror monsters and a few extra weird ones in the core because that's the section that i worked on um and so yeah i was like i was like what are they gonna put in monsters from the crypt but i i figured there would be some fun fun stuff for that i also worked on scarred lands which was a lot of fun Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Speaking of like a kind of horror adjacent setting. Yeah, because I actually knew uh, Travis Legg, uh, uh, who's I, he's in, uh, yeah he, he's is he the what the lead dev on Scarred Lands or yep that's his, yeah yeah uh, I knew him before he did anything with Onyx Path. Um, he I, I knew him through my sister. So my little sister is an actress, and Travis among along with making games has made movies in the past, mm-hmm. and he made a movie with her uh, that she starred in um, called The Reckoning which is like a 70s style bloody revenge flick where my sister gets to work horrible bloody revenge on various people. And Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and, and I went to the premiere for that. So, and Travis is the reason I saw my sister in her first sex scene. So, you know, thank you, Travis. <laughs> so thanks, I guess. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If my brother was in a scene like that, I'd high five him and my sister deserves no less. It was an awesome movie. Okay. Awesome. I, I have no siblings, so I can't even imagine that luckily <laughs> it's it's pretty she uh, you know she's she's a um she's a slight person and it was really cool seeing her being this like bloody force of of horribly violent revenge 
Nice. Love that. My sister I want to go see that now. <laughs> so yeah, so you've done that. Have you? Um, and of course, we've t- we talked a little bit about Squeaks, but that is on Kickstarter right now. Yes. Um, I am super excited about it. And we got to do that one play test together where you were Mr. Yes. Doctor. Yes, Mr. Doctor. How was that? That was a ton of fun. That was me trying to channel uh, 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 Herbert West through The Secret of Nim. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I, I love, especially in role-playing games, I love playing either, I love doing weird science kind of characters because it's just fun to, to tinker with that stuff. And, uh, that, that was a load of fun. And I liked playing him because he's, 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 he's a reformed cult of Labotor, which is a, uh, uh, very zealous cult of, 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 right. of weird science rats that, that do horrible things in the name of, uh, knowledge. And playing, uh, playing someone who who comes from that, but is is trying to do good, and he doesn't know quite how, was was a lot of fun. That's I, I like characters like that. And of course, as squeaks uh, because they're all hell psionics and whatnot. That was a perfect fit for that aesthetic. Yeah, that was really really fun. I will I will definitely I will definitely using Mister Doctor again somewhere. Look forward to it. Oh yeah, no, I am. I am bringing Laszlo Snaptail back at some point because oh, yeah. I love him. He he just walks headfirst into danger, does not care. Laszlo's great. Laszlo's the one in the party that gets things rolling, like you know, right. Everyone's I mean, being cautious, is... and Laszlo will do something, and then the, you know, you know, you know, the the game master's like, yes. That is part <laughs> of why I I do occasionally play those sorts of characters in one shots, um. Because having a character in a one shot who will walk headlong into danger is really helpful to keep the party moving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you, need, I, you need an instigator in the group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When totally. I when I first played uh, the alien RPG, I was I was the hotshot pilot. Oh, nice. And she was the one who was like, "What's that noise over there?" And would just like walk over with like a gun to you know see what was skittering on the wall. And wasn't uh, that the game where you just accidentally kept not dying yes i tried to die <laughs> through that entire game i wanted to get face hugged so bad because i want to do a dramatic dramatic face hugger scene and yet i kept rolling too well or the person who was running <laughs> well, the game kept rolling poorly why won't and they so, hug my face and so, <laughs> Just and my so face love. i survived even though i was the one who was like i'm gonna go check out that noise every time Every single time something weird happened, I was like, I'm going to walk toward it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, that was very funny. Laszlo almost died, but then he did not. It's true. Because he is an adventure mouse. Right. And not at all because you were really close to the healing facility. No, I mean, it, it certainly wasn't because you put a big vat of healing nanites in the middle uh, of the yes. room we were in. That was helpful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, we're uh, about on time, but um, you know, thanks for, for coming on, uh, Josh. It's always great to chat with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, if folks wanted to chat with you online about Healing Nanites or Edgar Allan Poe, where would they find you online? Um, uh, you can find me um, on Twitter at, at Joshua Deach. The last name is spelled D-O-E-T-S-C-H, exactly as it's not sp- uh, sounding. And <laughs> uh, you can find me on other social medias like that. Um, I'm on Discord sometimes. Um, I've got a... a, a a website, joshuadeach.com. Um, the blog is terribly uh, <laughs> out of date, but my published work section is usually kept pretty much up to date. Um, alternatively, you could acquire an inkwell from a dead poet who never knew fame in life. You could fill that inkwell with ink freshly milked from a scorned cuttlefish. You could dip your pen in that ink and write me a missive on a torn out page from an Edgar Allan Poe short story book published no later than 1899. 
bury that message at the foot of a grave and my reply will come to you in a tightly rolled scroll lodged in the body of a dead raven that you'll find under your pillow. Do you see why we hire him? I'm just he kidding. I'm just so kidding. Good. The the book of Poe could be published any year. <laughs> <laughs> and Dixie, you have to follow that now. I, I Dixie Cyanide, you don't know where I, I am. <laughs> I, Whatever. Social media, dis- Discord, uh, dead <laughs> dead ravens, I guess. I don't know. Nope. Deadraven.com. Dead, dead dark things. Dead, dead dark, dark, dark things of darkness <laughs> um people can find me uh, at uh, pugsteady.com you can find me on twitter pugsteady um you can find actually all of us uh, usually hanging out on the uh, onyx path discord um Woo. josh pops in every now and then oh yeah uh, uh, dixie and i will also usually hang out uh, in the onyx path cast channel on discord uh and you can also find all of our stuff at the onyxpath.com so uh, feel free to check it out. Um, Squeaks and Deep is on Kickstarter right now at time of recording. We just passed 200% funded. And so Woo! people are going to start getting information about the rabbits of Pugmire. <gasps> rabbits. And maybe, rabbits. maybe possibly playable rules for Ooh. rabbits. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Ooh, fun. Indeed. So check out Squeaks and Deep. Check out theonyxpath.com. And as always, many worlds. One path goes.